0: Tonight is a very special day, it's Asura B'teves, the 10th of Teves, which has tremendous meaning for all of Kal Israel, and that we're told that there are different tragedies that occurred in on this day. One of them is that Nevuchadnezzar laid siege to Yerushalayim, he started a three-year siege on this day, Asar B'teves, which resulted eventually in the destruction of the Chorban B'sha Mikdash. And another tragedy is that one of the outstanding leaders of Kli Israel, Ezra Hasopher, passed away also this time. There's a question whether it's the ninth of Teves, the tenth of Teves, but around this time, in the slichas that we say tomorrow, we're going to mention the passing away of Ezra Hasopher. And Rabbi Nassim Zal, the, the close student of Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nassim, who was Rabbi Nachman's scribe, he was the one, Ezra HaSofer, Sofer means a scribe, a writer. He's the one who wrote when the Jews were in Golas for many years. And Ezra HaSofer wrote a Sefer Torah. And his Sefer Torah was considered the, the example of an authentic, a fully authentic Sefer Torah, from which Sefer Torah subsequently were, were copied, you know, to be able to know that this is the real, authentic Sefer Torah. And Rabbi Nelson once made a statement that when Ezra HaSofar leaves and all types of negative forces take over, <coughs> it's, it's a major crisis for the Jewish people. But he said, I hope that one page of Rabbi Nachman's writings... Will be enough to stand up to the storms that Claudius Yisrael is going to have to go through. You know, at that time, when Hashem first created the world, He created Shnei Ma'oros, two lanterns, the sun and the moon. And again, the, the Torah isn't a science book. Person would say, mm-hmm. "What does that have to do with Yiddishkeit?" The Torah is a book that's defining Yiddishkeit, and Rav Nelson Zal explains that one of the foundations of Yiddishkeit as to how, how the Torah was passed down from generation to generation was it required a sun and a moon. It required a rabbi and a student. Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai. we know that the Talmud, the Gemara, is 60 Mesechdes, it's 2,700 pages, and it covers an incredible wide variety of topics. My Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld mentioned that out of all the Gemaras in Shas, Pirkei Ovois, Masechet Ovois, in some ways is the top, where each one of the rabbis was given an opportunity, if you had one thing to tell Klal Yisrael, what would you say? And that's what Masechet Ovois is all about. Each one of these rabbis taking their best shot and telling us what they felt is most important. Pirkei Ovois begins defining defining the methodology of Yiddishkeit. Moshe Kibel Torah Sinai, Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah from Hashem, U and he gave it over, he passed it on to the next generation. He passed it on to Yoshua. There's a passage, Doer Ledoer Yeshabach Rab Nossenzal speaks about this, and all the Swarms speak about this, that the way Hashem created the world, and what took place at the time of creation and subsequently, in order to bring the world to its tikkun, it cannot be done in one generation, no matter how great the generation is. Moshe Rabbeinu, the people of his time were called the Doer Deya, the enlightened generation. We're told that there was such a level of greatness at the time that when they were crossing the Red Sea, a shifcha, a maidservant at that time, had the level of recognition of Hashem, of awareness of Hashem, that the prophet Yechesgel, Ro' shifcha, shifcha alaya mash, ro' ben buzi. She was able to see and understand Hashem Kav Yochel, greater than Yechesgel ben Buzi. Why? Because they had a rabbi called Moshe Rabbeinu, who was so great and so big, that again, and, and this is a point we're going to want to emphasize here, that Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Tap, he taught Aharon HaKohen, he taught Yehoshua, he taught the 70 Zekanim, he taught the leaders, and he was able to reach down to a Shifcha. During his time, everyone was included. Everyone was included. And the Torah tells us that this is the definition of a tzaddik. Every morning... In Vayivorech David, we mention, we define, we, we pr- pr- pronounce the qualities of Hashem. L'cho <laughs> Hashem What comes next? What comes next after Hod? Yesod. Yesod. It should be Yesod. There's Yesod and Malchus, those that are familiar with the, with the seven basic attributes of Hashem. Where is the Yesod. The next words are "kichol because everything, everything from heaven to earth, was all created by Hashem. The sifraim tell us the words "kichol." "Kichol" is "begematria Yesoid. and Yesod is another word for tzaddik. There's a pasuk olam," the Tzadik is the foundation of the world. And what is a tzaddik? A tzaddik is kichol. A tzaddik, a real tzaddik, has to be one who can reach, who can reach out to the most learned and advanced people and show them that they have a lot to learn. He could teach them. And at the same time, he has to have the ability to reach down to people who would think that they're totally detached from Hashem, disconnected from Hashem, and be able to show them that you're not. Hashem is very close to you. Hashem loves you. You're an important, critical part of of Klael Yisrael. We know that the most important sacrifice in the Beis Hamikdosh, the Ktoiris, the 11 spices, that Yom Kippur, the, the holiest day of the year, the holiest person, the Kohen Gadol, entered into the holiest place, into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and he brought Ketoros. What makes Ketoros so special that this is the thing that was brought then? The fact that Ketoros includes everyone. There are 11 spices to the Ketoros. <coughs> 10 is holiness. The Gemara says, Ein That you, you, you don't have holiness until you have a quorum of 10. 11 means we're going into the basement. We're going underground. We're going to those people who are not within the normal arena of holiness. And we're including them also. They are also included. Just like on Yom Kippur, the night of Yom Kippur, before Kol Nidre, we make an announcement. That we're inviting the avaryonim. We're inviting criminals. To come and join. It's Yom Kippur, everyone is welcome. That Yom Kippur, Hashem goes to such a place of incredible kindness that everyone is welcome, everyone is included. And and we find an example of this that many people aren't aware of or don't realize. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Everybody knows Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's reputation that he's known for Kabbalah, the Zohar HaKadosh, the first Kabbalah Sefer, that they were given permission to write down secrets of Torah and be able to prepare it in such a way that later generations, generations we today have this information available to us with commentaries, with explanations that never were. And we're told that this is one of the major factors that's going to help us get out of this final golos the Zoira Kodish. And Rabbi Shema Baruchoy had a group of elite commandos, very high-level students. It, they're described throughout the Zohar Kodish. We hear them giving shiurim, teaching Torah on an incredible high level. And you would think that Rabbi Shema Baruchoy is a typical Rosh Kolel. He's a Rosh Kolel. He has students who are very knowledgeable, very advanced, very learned, and he teaches them. But the Gemara tells us a very interesting story in Brachas. The Gemara says... That one of the major leaders of Klal Yisrael, <coughs> Rabban Gamliel, who was the nasi, the chief rabbi during his time, a descendant of David HaMelech, and his opinion was that a yeshiva, a yeshiva <coughs> where Torah is being studied on a real high level, not everyone is welcome. Not everybody can be included, and he put a guard at the entrance that anyone who wanted to come join, first we have to check them out. Check them out to see if they're worthy of being included in the yeshiva. The Gemara tells an incredible story, which we don't have the time to go into the full detail, where the Gemara says that Rabban Gamaliel was, was tough in, in many ways, even though he was a tremendous tzaddik. And at one point, when he felt that one of the rabbis was challenging him, the fact that he was the chief rabbi, he, he didn't show the full respect to that rabbi, and the rabbi ended up being embarrassed. And it happened three times. And at that point, the rabbis agreed, that's it. He's out. Ram Gamliel is out. We're going <laughs> to impeach the Nasi. And again, this is, I believe, possibly the first and only time that this happened in, in the Gemara, in the Jewish history. And they said, who are we going to replace them with? And they went down a whole list. The Gemara tells an incredible story of how things evolved. And in the end, this Rabbi Gamliel did Shuva. He went to this rabbi's house and he begged him for forgiveness. And the Gemara says, sure enough, the rabbi forgave him. The rabbi went back with him to the yeshiva because he wasn't sure that the people would really believe that he did it. And everything was cleaned up in the end. But the Gemara says that during the time that they took Rabban Gamliel out, that they, they, they took away his position, they opened up the doors of the yeshiva. And they added, there's two opinions, they added either 400 benches or 700 benches, not chairs, benches. It doesn't say how many people sat on a bench to the yeshiva. And the Gemara, this is a long story, the Gemara goes into incredible detail, and the Gemara says, when the Gemara introduces the story, it doesn't mention the name of the one who caused this whole uproar, this whole commotion. He staged a scenario, when, when he saw, when it came time, they felt that Ram Gamaliel should be impeached, he sta- staged a scenario where Rav Gamaliel should be put in a position where he would probably take the bait, in a sense, and go ahead and show, again, disrespect to Rabbi Yeshua, because he knew that's going to that's gonna remove him. And the Gemara concludes all the way at the end of the story, and by the way, who is the student that caused this whole volcano? Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. Hmm. And Rabbi Nelson Zal points out, this is Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, this is the one who was teaching Kabbalah, secrets of Torah, to the most advanced people, and this is the one who understood that there are people who most rabbis would consider not qualified. We don't accept these kind of students. And he said, We're not part of that we. We do accept those students. If I am a tzaddik, I have to be able to include shamayim and oretz. I have to be able to include the top and the bottom. And Rav Nosson Zal speaks about this in Likutei Halachas. We're reading now. We're in Parshas VaYechi. We're reading. We're coming to the end of Yaakov Avinu's life and Yosef HaTzadik's life. And the Torah tells us that even though there are three forefathers of the Jews, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, <clears throat> but when we speak about the seven shepherds of the Jews, one of the twelve tribes is included. It's not Ruvain, Ruvain is the bechor. It's not Yehuda, Yehuda who's the king. It's not Yisachar or Zvulon the Sub- It's Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik is the one of the 12 tribes who's included in the seven shepherds. Rav Zal says, let me tell you who Yosef is. Let me tell you what the Torah tells us about who Yosef is. That w- why was he given that name Yosef? The Torah gives two reasons. One is... Osaf Ela Herposi, His mother, Rachel Menu, was watching her sister have one child after another child after another child. And she was waiting, waiting, and nothing was happening. And, and at one point she said to her husband, Either I have children or I'm dead, And sure enough, eventually she had her first son, was Yosef Hatzadik. And she said, Osaf Elachimes Kherposi. This child has gathered in my shame. All of this shame and embarrassment that I was feeling, he put an end to it. That's one reason. And, and the Torah says she gave another reason, that in his name she was included a prayer. Yosef Hashem li ben acher. May Hashem give me another son. Yosef means to add. I want another one. I want another one. And Rav Sal says, Yosef is called Yosef HaTzadik. This is what a tzaddik is all about. Number one, he's the one who's in a position to open our eyes, to get us to realize if we're making mistakes, if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, if we could be doing better. He's the one that inspires us and motivates us to do tshuva. Number one, to realize, to recognize our faults, but to do it in a way with love, in a way that brings us close to Hashem, not in a way that pushes us away. That's this osaf Cherposi. He removes the shame and embarrassment from Klal Yisrael. What are we ashamed of? We're ashamed of our sins. That's what we're ashamed of. And he's the one who can remove all of that by inspiring us and motivating us to do tshuva. In addition, he's the one who's always looking for new customers. Yosef Hashem li bein acher. He knows the importance. The Gemara says, Moshiach cannot come until a certain number of souls have been used up. And it requires, again, it requires people coming in, it requires people being born, people getting married, people having children, and it requires people coming close to Hashem. And this is what Rabbi Nachman stressed, and this is what he gave over to his student, Rab Nosenzal. He's the one who, when Rabbi Nachman moved to the city of Uman, Uman at that time, was the founding city of the reform movement in the Ukraine. The reform movement had started in Germany and was causing and was causing and continues to cause incredible destruction in Claudius incredible assimilation, you know, incredible losses to the Jewish people, a spiritual holocaust and and this was this had entered Ukraine. And the, 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 the hotbed of it was the city of Uman. There were several rabbis that attempted to come to Uman and were, were run out, run out of the city. Rabbi Nachman came there when he was already sick for two and a half years with tuberculosis. And he knew that his time was limited. It was a matter of days. And he lived the last five or six months of his life from Iyar to Tishrei in, in Uman, and he engaged, there he engaged the leaders, the three leaders of this this movement there, and they, he befriended, they befriended him, they had tremendous respect for him, and Rabbi Nachman said none of his students are allowed to speak to them except Rabbi Zal. He's the only one who's qualified to be able to to speak to them, to befriend them, to challenge them, to answer their questions, and to be able to, to, to bring them close. And sure enough, during Rabbi Nachman's lifetime, there was a Kesher maid. Within five months, these people who had sworn, they, they, made, they swore between them that they're never going to allow the word God to cross their lips. They're not going to mention that word or anything like it. And five months later, Rosh Hashanah, they came to Davin with Rabbi Nachman. And when the maid offered one of them coffee, one, they were aristocrats, they were wealthy when, when one of their maids came to bring him coffee, he said, before shofar blowing? What are you talking about? There, there are rabbis that have difficulty not having a drink before shofar blowing. And these atheists, these people who were so far by coming into contact with Rabbi Nachman and Rab Nassim were able to get to feel so welcome and, and to, to be brought to a level like this You know, that level of respect for Hashem. If there are any questions... was searching for many years, and then he came to Rabbi Nachman. What was it that pointed to him to say, this is it? It's a good question. It's a very, very good question. What convinced him or what? The answer is one thing we're told is that he had a dream. A year before that, he had a dream when he was, again, he was close to one of the Hasidic masters and he was running, but he still felt something's missing, something's missing. And, and one Saturday night, his friends got together from Lava Malka and they sent him out to go get bagels, you know. And he went and he started thinking, he started analyzing the friends he was with and everything and he felt, this isn't it, I'm, I'm, I haven't found what I'm looking for yet. And it says he went into the ladies' section of a shul where there were no women there, And he took a Tehillim, and he started saying Tehillim with everything he had. And he said the first 50 chapters of Tehillim, with everything he had, and he collapsed, he collapsed, like he almost fainted. And he had a dream, and in the dream he saw himself climbing up a ladder, and he went up a few rungs, and then he fell. Picked himself up, went up a few rungs, went up more than the first time, fell again. Then it happened the third time, he went higher up, and he fell a third time, and he couldn't pick himself up. And he said, a young man came over to him and said to him those words, drop azich and dr- hang in there, buddy, hang in there, hang in there. And when he met Rabbi Nachman, he recognized that that was the young man in the dream. But I, I think that wasn't, that wasn't all. He saw, he, he heard, that they were, right away when they made the introductions, Rabbi Nachman said to him, it seems that we've known each other for a long time, but we haven't been together yet, you know. Rabbi Nachman hinted at him certain things, and then again, were, the, the, the Torah, Rabbi Nachman, uh, it's brought that um, that at the first meeting, Rabbi Nachman mentioned three three stories. One story about the Balatanya, one story about the Rebbe of Neshehiz, and then he mentioned a story about, is it Reb Michal Mizlatchev, Reb Michal yes. where he said that when Reb Michal Mizlatshev came to the Balshemtov. When he first the Gemara says that when an Amarat sees a Talmud Chacham, when he first sees him, he's impressed. Wow, he considers him like gold. And then familiarity, he gets more familiar with him, becomes like silver. More familiar, becomes like copper. More familiar comes like a piece of broken pottery that he has no use for. And when when Reb Michal Mizlachev came to the Balshentov, first at first he was very impressed, and then he started quite thinking who knows? Maybe he's not really such a big Talmud Chacham. And the Baal Shem Tov grabbed him by the arm and he said to him Michal "Bistamoritz." and he saw that the Baal Shem Tov knew what he was thinking and he was telling him, Rabbein did that to Rabbein And Rabbein had the same thought that came into his mind that, who knows, maybe I don't know if he's a Tzai and, and Rabbein when he told this story he grabbed Rabbein lapel and he said to Michal Bistamoretz and Rabbein S- writes he was shocked he saw that he knows exactly what I'm thinking you know those were some of the things but obviously this was a, a connection you know an incredible connection designed in heaven like a husband and wife you know how does the person know it's the right one with Hashem's help when it happens they, that they know sure.